0: Well, this is uh, the third week in our series, Growth Track. Very, very excited to get to share with you uh, today um, as we continue through this. Remember, the idea of this, um, this whole series we're talking about, is um, basically people who met with Jesus, we believe that he kind of moved them through a process by which he he interacted with them in different ways. And it was a way where they went from um, just kind of the beginnings of their faith to a place where they really were, I mean, accomplishing the Lord's goals in their life. And the same thing for us this year, Um, one of our big focuses for this next year is going to be inviting people to step on what we call our growth track, which is a track of of following some things. Here's some things that you can do in your faith to lead you to a place where you can accomplish great things in your faith, where God can begin to maybe reveal his specific calling in your life and even accomplish these things in your life. So, we are at week three. Today, we are talking about educated. And education is a really interesting topic in the United States. We talk about education all the time in the realm of politics and things like that. Um, always talking about what it means. I thought this is interesting, though. Um, speaking of education the reality of it and what it accomplishes. This is kind of cool. In 2009, they did this, um, this study, and they called it the field of training and economic status. And in the United States, they tried to do this comparison of asking people <clears throat> the schooling they had participated in compared to an average monthly income to see does it really make a difference, basically. This isn't based on what people want to tell you. This is just the stats. And what they found is interesting. They said that this is based on averages, so obviously if you fall in one of these, you might be below or above and whatever it is in that case. But at the average in 2009, a high school diploma on average every month made around $3,179. Someone with what they call a vocational certificate would make around $3,538. People with an associate's degree on average made 4166 And then people with a bachelor's degree jumped to about 5445 And what basically the the reality of what they saw was what they anticipated is that in in general across their country, there are some that are obviously outliers and they are outside of the normal realm of what you make compared to it. But in general, people who invest in themselves in education generally make more money, basically. They receive a, a payback for that education they put into themselves. And that's kind of something that we, we, I think, often instill to our kids and stuff like that. Going to college, although it's scary, takes lots of time, the goal is that basically you make yourself more valuable to um, the workforce. Well, obviously, I, I think education is great. I mean, I don't think it's the, the end-all, um, be-all, but it is very, very important. And I think not just in the sense of, of gaining a degree or something to increase um, increase your pay that's fine and there's nothing wrong with that but I think that education in general is really important when it comes to just life there's people who stay at a place of basically never wanting to expand what they what they think and expand what they know and then there's those who basically just make themselves um teachable and and they continue to learn and I think that sense of education is very important uh, Tom Clancy, one of the great novelists, he said that life is about learning, and when you stop learning, you die. And I think that really is the truth. It, maybe if it's not necessarily going and getting another degree or things like that, but in our lives, Much of our life is about learning, having new experiences, and and, and realizing new things, and and gaining knowledge. I mean, when I think about it, of all the different things that I can accomplish in the world, a lot of people set their sights on things like um, owning things or or doing things, but understanding things is a great uh, goal to have, to be able to broaden your knowledge, to educate yourself. When Jesus was here on earth— He was obviously really, really concerned about showing love to people. We talked about that two weeks ago. Um, He was very concerned about healing people, um, very focused, obviously, on his end goal of dying on the cross, paying for our sins, as we talked about last week. But as well, he made it really clear that actually while he was here, he was interested in something else too. Um, The most common name that was given to Jesus by people, the most common thing that he was called in conversation that we see in the Gospels, was teacher. The most common thing that people would call him when they were talking to him is they would start by saying teacher. And and most of the people who are interacting with Jesus at that time in the Gospels, most commonly what we hear him referred to as teacher over 30 some times in like say the NLT translation of the New Testament over and over again where people start their sentences with teacher to talk to him. And as he began to communicate with people, and, and people began to swarm around him, to obviously some were just coming for miracles, some were coming just because it was a spectacle, but he began to teach them and begin to educate them about the Lord and about this world. In our growth track at Acts Church, we believe that each person is loved, saved, educated, trusted, and released. And obviously, today we're talking about educated, and Jesus made it clear when he was here that he was interested in educating people in their faith. And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. I want to give you a picture of Jesus and how he educated people, and then obviously how that connects to us as a church, why that's actually important to us as we continue with this, this growth track, and, and how it applies to you as well, too, in your faith. So there's three big things I want you to see about, about Jesus while he was here in relation to teaching, and important things that we can grasp about his teaching. I think some of these set him off to be a different teacher than how many would teach. I think some are very, very important for us to grasp um, and maybe we'll change our perspective of Jesus a little bit. First thing I want you to realize is this, that while Jesus was here, he taught what I would call both vertical and horizontal faith. Vertical and horizontal faith. And what I mean is this, while he was here, he spent a considerable amount of time talking about our relationship with God. He talked about... Um the goodness of God. He talked about how great God is, our relationship with God. He talked about um, all different things about how we interact with God. One of the things he obviously talked about um, was you know, his compassion and, and how he was going to restore his people because that was why Jesus was here, right? And this is a very vertical expression of faith, our relationship with God, how that relates, a very vertical faith. He even talked about stuff like prayer and he explained things. I'll give you an example. Matthew 7, 7 through 8. He says this, talking about prayer. He says, keep on asking and you will receive what you ask for. Keep on seeking and you will find. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks, receives. Everyone who seeks, finds. And everyone who knocks, the door will be opened. See, it's a very, very vertical faith he's talking about. He's saying, this is how you you connect with God. And here's some groundwork. And he spent significant time talking about vertical faith and about how we interact with God and and educating people um, in this whole mindset. mindset. But on the same time, what was interesting about him, perhaps more than what a lot of teachers did, he also talked about horizontal faith. And what I mean by that is, is he taught about our life's reaction, our reaction to those around us, to the world around us, as a reaction to our relationship with God. He taught about stuff like, our relationships. He taught about stuff like our our money. He taught about things like our our family. He taught about our our motives. He taught about the stuff that was very, very applicable to right then and there. Not just this vertical faith of you're connected to God and here's how this looks and, and here's more information on God, but also here's the world around you. And these are some really, really important things that you should understand and have locked down when it comes to your faith represented in a horizontal mindset. Just as a, um, as a picture of this, one of the things he said was this, Matthew 5, 43 through 44. You have heard the law says, love your neighbor and hate your enemy, but I say love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. So in this, he's talking about a very horizontal faith. He says that your faith, your connection with God also plays out then on how you treat those people around you how, you, how you treat people like, say, your enemies, that you're supposed to be different than how other people do. Because of your connection to God, your relationship with them should look different. And he taught both directions. But what I think is really cool about it is that he didn't just teach a, a vertical faith or horizontal faith, but what he did is he connected the two of them. It wasn't just that here's what it looks like to have a relationship with God. Here's what it looks like to be a good person here on earth. But it was that these two things go hand in hand. What he, he made really, really clear is that this, this horizontal faith and this vertical faith, man, that they were inseparable. That you couldn't have really one without the other. The whole point was that our connection with God would be portrayed and easily viewable to those in our horizontal landscape. That they could see that and that our reactions would be very different. They were extremely tied together. Well, at Acts, obviously, our hopes are to educate in the exact same way. We talk about both vertical and horizontal faith. Obviously, our our mantra at Acts Church is love God, love everyone. That's the point, is vertical and horizontal reaction to our faith. From day one, actually, as our church, um, one of the verses that God gave us very, very early when we were kind of setting the foundation for this church was James 2.18. And this is what it says. It says, Now some may argue some people have faith and others have good deeds. But I say, how can you show me your faith if you don't have good deeds? I'll show you my faith by my good deeds. And so that's why one of the things that we put as a core value for us as a church from day one is that we believe that faith without action is dead. That simply saying you believe in something, simply saying that you, you care about something or that you love something, but then not putting any, any action with that, uh, it's dead. It doesn't accomplish anything. That's one of the things that we try to build into everything that we do, that if we say we love something, we would never let our words walk farther than our feet. Our feet go along with the words that we would speak. Our hope, obviously, is for you, as part of X Church, to expand your knowledge of, of, of God, obviously, to understand your connection with God, how your relationship with God is important, how you can, you can grow your faith with him. But then as well, too, not just that, but how, how does that faith represent a changed life? How does that faith affect how you treat your neighbor? How does that faith affect how you serve your community? And that's one of the things that we really focus on in the second half of this. There's a reaction to that vertical faith, and it is a horizontal faith as well, too. That's why we have things like um, Alpha. Alpha is a really great one. People get to learn about the very basics of God. Ten weeks, and it goes through and tells you all about this relationship with God. Man, the basics breaks it down, which is terrific. That's why we have stuff like life groups and subgroups, where you get plugged in, and you're learning about God, but you're learning about it in community, where you begin to live out that horizontal faith. And that's why as well too we do things like our kindness events and we talk about our mission strategy which is help to be able to say that basically once we have that vertical faith it, it represents itself in a horizontal plane in our lives that both are equally important as we grow in our faith. So that's one thing that Jesus taught. The second thing though is, is that Jesus while he was here he taught in, in a way that was understandable. Jesus taught in a way that was graspable, that was, that was attainable. He taught in a way that was understandable to the average person. He, he traveled, if you look at the, the story while he was here, he basically traveled around from city to city in a pretty small area actually um, in the Middle East, basically around, around Jerusalem. And um, for a man that sparked a, a gigantic world religion, the biggest religion in the world, he traveled only a, a, a few small places, believe it or not. But as he went from place to place, people would begin to follow him, to hear his teaching, that as he taught, they would ask him more and they would, they would want to know more about all this. But what's interesting is he didn't just go to, say, like a temple or a place of, uh, of learning and just open up the Old Testament, which had been to the scriptures, and just begin to read and explain those things. Instead, he taught in a very, very tangible and fluid way with these people. First of all, he, he he did teach sometimes in the temple, but most of his teaching that we see caught in the Bible actually happens along lakes, and it happens out in the marketplace, and it happens out in the real world. It's not in some formal teaching environment. It's simply him educating people right in the real world circumstances. It's not some specially removed place. It's very conversational in these times. But not only that, too, is that, like I said, it wasn't just the fact that he opened up and said, here's what the law says. When he taught, he spoke in a way not to impress them, not to impress them, but to get them to understand his content. Jesus didn't set out for the idea of trying to shoot over top their heads. Instead, he got down eye level with them. It's one of the things that I think is really, really important sometimes. I, I like to do when I talk to kids is just get down on like your knees so that you're eye level with them instead of towering over them. And I think it really does make a difference when people talk to you like that. You get down at their level and you try to see from where they're seeing this perspective and talk with them eye to eye. And that's what Jesus was doing. When he, he, he went out, he wasn't trying to impress them and say, I understand all of the law. Instead, he tried to communicate it in simple ways that they would grasp. One of the ways that he did this um, was called parables. And he would tell a story that represented an, another picture. Instead of just teaching you the facts, he would, he would compare it to something else so you could understand it, so people could grasp it. Let me give you uh, a couple of examples here. In Mark 4, 3, it starts by him saying, Listen, a farmer went, to plant, went out to plant some seed. Well, as it continues, the story goes on, and he talks about a farmer casting seed, and some fell on stones, and some fell on a hard path, some fell on an area where there were weeds. And, and he goes on to tell this whole story, and what it ends up being is it's all this depiction of the kingdom of God, that the message of Jesus falls on some and on some the, the message grows up and is immediately choked. And it all has this beautiful meaning, but you see how it starts? A farmer went out to plant some seed. That's because he was talking to predominantly a lot of people who were there who were farmers. They understand going out and casting a seed. It made sense to them. It was, it was graspable to understand the idea, the picture that he was showing them. In Matthew thirteen, forty-seven, it says, again, the kingdom of heaven is like a fishing net that was thrown into the water and caught fish of every kind. And he goes on to explain this as well, too. He says that basically that the message, just like a fishing net goes and it catches all these, and then he says then that the fisher, the fishermen would take it back and they would sort out the good fish and the bad fish. And, and he explains how this is like the end times that basically all of us live here, and then someday those who have followed Jesus will be picked out and they'll be sent here, and those who do not will be cast off this direction. And it's this beautiful meeting, but it's because he was talking to fishermen. He used something they understood. And can you realize, can you grasp the, the beauty of this, that Jesus, the most holy human being, because he was God in human form, who had experienced all this stuff, is talking about something as glorious and magnificent as the coming kingdom of God, and he compares it to a stinky old fishnet this beautiful thing that so many would try to speak so eloquently and talk about so gorgeously that, that people would marvel over. Jesus says, yeah, it's like, a, it's like an old fishing net. I mean, you can see people would be like, you can't say that about the kingdom of God. It's not like a stinky old fishing net. It's the kingdom of God. And he says, "Not. It's, it's like a net. It's like a net. So he was taking these magnificent things and, and he was bringing them down to look at them eye level and say, it's kind of like this. He explained it in a way that they could grasp and they could catch. He did this over and over again. We see it very, very often in his teaching. Luke six forty three says, "A good tree can't produce bad fruit; a bad tree can't produce good fruit." Why would he say this? Was he? Is this only the only way it could be described? No, it's because everyone's seen a tree before. Everyone's seen a tree. Dead tree can't produce nice, good fruit. You know, a good tree can't. Be, he even says he goes on. He says an apple tree doesn't produce this, and this tree doesn't produce that. People understood it, and he goes on to talk about that. He used things like family, jobs, weddings. He, he used all these to describe these great principles which he was trying to teach, but instead of trying to hit a home run up over top of their heads, you, you know, he hit a, a very low grounder so they could catch it and they could pick it up. He spoke in a way that they understood. And that's one of the things that infuriates me about people who teach the, the word of God is there are men like me who try, to, who try to explain the word of God and they take something that Jesus tried to teach so, so basically and what they do is they contort it into something that's so confusing that average people sitting there say, I don't get that. That's an atrocity to the scriptures. And we, we, we do something wrong with them. We, we, we drain them of their power if we have to try to say them with such mighty words that makes them seem unattainable to us average people because Jesus fought the exact opposite way. He says, I'm trying to, to boil this down so you can just catch it. Average people. The people we talking to, you realize, who he was talking to when he was out in these things were the people who had basically failed out of being able to be the, the people who were in the temple. A lot of the kids, basically, as they grew up in this culture, the the goal would be that the smart ones would basically go on to learn the law, but the ones who just couldn't make it, they would just become fishermen and people like that. And those were who he was talking to. And he says, I can explain it to you. You don't have to be some super smart person to get this. You can grasp it. Fishermen where all you've known is knots and fish your whole life. A farmer, where all you've known is seeds and dirt your whole life. You can understand this. He even did this with gigantic things. Like, when he went at the end of his life to explain his death, to explain the communion story, instead of making it something unattainable and confusing, he tied it to the Passover meal. And that story to us seems so weird, right? We know, maybe if you've been in the church for a while, you've heard that communion story where he takes the cup and he takes the bread, and it seems very ceremonial, but what we don't understand is, if you don't know Jewish culture, is that that meal they'd done every single year since they'd been little kids. It was the Passover meal. And every year they would celebrate where they would have this meal, they would eat like this, they would have the wine, they would have this. And he even pairs it all the way down to at the end, they would lift the cup and they would say basically a, a, a prayer. And what he did is he explained what he was going to do inside of this ceremony that was so familiar to them. It'd be as if someone came to like one of our normal ceremonies that we do, like Christmas or something or, or some other thing, or one of our American traditions, and they just paired this great, beautiful faith inside of it and says, it's kind of like this. He always tried to bring it to a place where people could understand it. One of the beautiful things about Jesus' teaching. Now, as as Acts Church, this is one of our core values. One of our core values is that we're about meeting people where they're at. And it's our desire that as as teachers, my, my mother, Deb, and I, the both of us, as we teach from this stage, that what we would always do is we would teach in a way that we take these scriptures and we make them attainable and understandable for us average people, that we can grasp them, that we don't try to shoot above your heads, but instead we say, here's, here's what makes sense about this. Here's how this can apply to your life. Here's how this can actually have uh, repercussions in your faith tomorrow. Yes, we want them to be intriguing. We want them to be interesting. We want them to be faith-building. We want them to be theologically sound. And in the same sense, we want them to be easily, man, easily attainable for the average listener. It's the same thing why we do things in our community, and wh- why we, we target our, our vibe the way that we do, and why we, cho- we choose the words that we do, how we represent ourselves as a church. It's about meeting people where they're at, not saying, we're here, you're here, try to claw your way up. Instead saying, hey, we talk right at their level and say, this is why this is important to you. Our goal is to make the things of God more understandable. Now, in the same sense, people say, does that mean that you never want to talk about the The deeper things about God, no, that's not the case at all. And there are great times for those. I can tell you that I won't be doing some series anytime soon about like the seven churches of Revelation and how they tie into some sort of great prophecy of other things like this. Not interested in preaching that from the stage. You know why? Because most of you guys aren't interested in hearing that. And on the second side of that, we have an average of say five to ten visitors per week who need to hear about Jesus. We can talk about that. Let's have a subgroup where we talk about deep deep spiritual, theological things like that and ponder it. But the reality is, is and I don't say this to, to hurt any of you because I, I put myself in the same exact shoes as you guys here, I'm not sure that most of us even understand the full repercussions of Jesus Christ crucified and paying for our sins. I'm not sure that most of us even fully realize what that should accomplish in our life that we haven't actually figured out all of the steps that should come away from that, let alone these other deep theological things that most of us, in fact, our education far outweighs our action. And that most of the time, we don't need some deep theological thing. What we need to do is talk about how then can our lives be changed by this knowledge. And I think that's the reality of what, what I see so much and what we try to do as a church, as we teach. That's what we try to um, go forward. So no, is there, is there no room for these deep theological conversations? No, absolutely there is, in the right context. I think in a small group, terrific idea to have these deep conversations. But Jesus made it very clear when he talked to those in big groups that he made it very eye-level. Last thing I want you to see was this. Jesus taught that following him was not going to be easy, but it was going to be worth it. That following him was not going to be easy, but it was going to be worth it. Once Jesus started these relationships with people where, you know, he might have healed them and he might have spoken to them. Something changed in their life, right? He forgave them of their sins and they began to follow him. One of the things that Jesus started doing is he started being really, really real with them. Really real with them. Man, you could, you could never ever say that Jesus wasn't, wasn't honest and true when he started talking to his disciples about what it meant to follow him in their life. He shows very quickly, very quickly as he educated these people that having faith in him was not a get-out-of-jail-free card. It wasn't a guarantee that life was going to be easy, that devotion was going to be necessary, and it would be tough. Listen to this. This is Mark 8, 34 through 35. This is Jesus calling to his disciples. He says, calling the crowd to join his disciples. This is his his pitch. He says, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must turn from your selfish ways, take up your cross and follow me. You try to hang on to your life, you'll lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake and for the sake of the good news, you will save it. You know, if I'm a marketing strategist talking to Jesus... I'd be like, probably not the best pitch, bro, you know? Probably not your best pitch. You'd be like, hey, so I was thinking about giving an announcement to ask people to be my disciples. Here's what I'm thinking. Give up your life and pick up the same torturous task that I'm going to take on my back, and you might survive. I'd be like, nah, you might not want to lead with that, you know? That might be a follow-up. But Jesus was so real with these people who were saying they were coming to him after they had experienced a real, you know, beginning of a relationship with him and saying, I want to follow you. And he was extremely real with him and said, listen, you know, this, this isn't going to be easy. This might be tough. He wasn't going to guard the truth from them. It happened another time in Matthew eight nineteen through 20. This is a guy coming to him. It says, one of the teachers of religious law said to him, teacher, I'll follow you wherever you go. And it says, but Jesus replied, foxes have dens to live in and birds have nests, but the son of man has no place to lay his head. This guy says, Jesus, I want to go with you wherever it is. And he says, Jesus basically answers back, you have no idea what you're asking for. You're asking for a tough time. My walk isn't an easy one. If you're going to follow me, man, you won't even have a place to lay your head. Once people began to realize that Jesus was the Messiah, he got extremely real with them. And he explained the truth of, of, of that a life with him was not guaranteed to be easy at all but it would, it would be worth it. I say this, basically what it is is that having a relationship with Jesus is no guarantee that your life will be easy, but it's a guarantee that he'll be there to help you. That's all. It's not a guarantee that things will be easy. It's a guarantee, though, that he'll be there to help you when it gets hard. He explains that it wouldn't be easy, but it would be worth it. Matthew 10, says, all nations will hate you because you're my followers, but everyone who endures to the end will be saved. See, Jesus says, this life is gonna be tough probably, but the reason why it is is because at the end of it, you have a mighty reward right, waiting for you. He says, this life might be hard, but at the end of it, the reward that awaits you is terrific, salvation. As Acts Church says, We're not interested in being a self-help church. One of our core values is brutal authenticity. That means that everything isn't always going to be perfect. It means that real faith is sometimes messy, ugly. It can be an issue. The idea is that we hope as a church, instead of acting like we have it all figured out, Instead of acting like we understand it and that you should try to attain to be like us, that as a church, as pastors, as leaders, that we'd say, listen, we're in the same boat. We don't have it all together. We don't have it all figured out. Faith is tough sometimes. But at the end of it, God is waiting for us with an eternal reward. And it's worth struggling and worth fighting for. Yes, there are going to be disagreements. Of course there is. Is there going to be times that, that most likely there are going to be some ugly moments in faith? Absolutely. Are there going to be times that are going to be painful? Yeah. Are there even going to be times that we're going to annoy the crap out of each other? Yeah. Sooner or later, I'm going to annoy you. Sooner or later, you're going to annoy me because I have short views, you know, so. But that's the point. He says, it's not going to be easy, but it's worth it. Man, it's worth it. Us being a church, is it going to be easy? No, but it's worth it. It's worth it what's coming at the end. Our hope is that at Acts Church, you get a balanced view of what faith looks like. We try to plan out, and I know some people hate this because they think that we're taking away the Holy Spirit's leading, but we try to plan out what we teach for a year. We try to think ahead a whole year and say, how can we use this year strategically, and why is that? Because 52 weeks is actually extremely short to be able to communicate a balanced view of God's word. And if we're not intentional saying, are we going to talk about this? Are we going to talk about this? How can we make sure that we talk about things like sex and money? And how can we make sure to talk about discipleship and growing closer? And how can we make sure to talk about us being responsible and going out to our community? And we try to be thinking about how can we we spread this out over a year to make sure that by the end of it you say, I got a, a pretty even view of what God's word looks like this year. And the other goal is that we try to be really real with you, that you'd see what real faith looks like, that it's not always perfect, that it can be a mess, that even in opportunities like things like life groups and subgroups, man, perfect opportunities to meet people who are on the same exact walk as you are, don't have it all figured out, don't have it all together. Man, but they're looking towards that end goal. But Jesus said, man, they this awesome reward waiting for you at the end of it. I said, Jesus, while he was here, he educated people. And the way he educated was, was beautiful and awesome. And, and how we try to step into our education as well, too, here. Um, that's one of the reasons why we think it's so important. is because we see that Jesus thought that it was, it was important. And, and that's what we base all of, all of our ideals on, is that. You know, we spend so much time learning things in this world. We spend... Years in school. Who's still in high school or in grade school right now? You have a few out there, right? Doesn't it feel like it's been an eternity already? Man, haven't you guys just been in school forever? And it's still not over, right? You look like, man, 12 grades. By the time you reach that senior year, you're like, it has been long enough, right? And then you decide to get a good job, and you're like, six more years, (laughs) right? It's crazy how much time we spend learning. Or, Or in another sense, how much time we spend learning things that are, that are so frivolous and useless. I mean, how many people can rattle off tons of names of sports stars right now from different teams? If I listed your favorite thing, how many people could talk about all their different stats and all the different games and all the different things? Or right now, if I go across, how many different girls could tell me what Beyonce and Jay-Z's baby's name is right now, right? It's Blue Ivy, if you didn't know, by the way. But we spend so much time. We spend so much time learning Learning so many things, and some that are so useless, right? That are so useless when it all comes down to it. How many guys know everything there is to do about a car? That's me, right? One of the guys that loves cars. I know all these different things about cars. How many girls know so many different things about, about fashion and about things like that that just blow my mind where they know about trends and things? And I'm like, there's trends, and there's a color. And you're like, What? All these different things that they understand, and that's not, that was that season, and this is this new season. Makes no sense to me, right? But we spend so much time knowing all these things, but how much time do we spend educating ourselves, growing our knowledge in our faith? I think some of us would be convicted if we think about how much time we spend learning other things and knowing other things and seeking after other things, and how little time we spend seeking education in our faith when it's the most important thing in the universe. We should want to learn more about our faith. It should be natural for us to try to grow our faith, to expand it, both in our own, to say, man, you know, we need to read God's word, we need to pray and have, have conversation with God, that we need to be in services like this where somebody who takes time to pour over God's word can speak to you and you can learn things that we need to take time to be in groups where we can have conversations, to go to classes like the Alpha course and be able to learn more things because it is so, so important. If you have a relationship with someone, you want to know about them. Who's in love? Who's in love? Man, you know every little detail about that person, don't you? You know stuff that you wish you didn't even know. But in reality, man, we, when, we, when we love something, we want to know everything about them, don't we? You know, I'm, I'm newly married, and in the last few years of that, you know, getting together, getting engaged, getting married, man, you just, I mean, you literally just crave to know more and more and more about that person. Each one of those steps is this ability to know more about them. Man, to experience more of who they are and understand who they are because you love them so much. The same should be true of us in our relationship with Jesus. That once we have that relationship, that we should crave to know more about him. We should crave to know more about who he is, how he was, what that means for our life. Proverbs 11.27 says this, God speaking, I think prophetically to all of us, Be wise, my child, and make my heart glad. Then I would be able to answer my critics. says that we can make God's heart glad when we are wise because then our words, our thoughts, our actions, that they can answer the critics of God. It's important for us to grow and to educate ourselves in our faith. And I would encourage all of you, as you step into this growth track, to take the opportunities we have at Acts Church. Does that mean that our growth track encompasses everything that has to do with education? No. But they're great simple steps that you can take to be able to grow your faith. Great basic steps that you can take to get there. Let us make God's heart glad. Let's pray together this morning. Jesus, I thank you so much for today. And I ask you, God, that you would affect our hearts. I ask Jesus Christ that um, you would let us think about what we learn, you would let us think about how we are educated. And that you would balance out whatever conviction you want to put in our lives. Are we seeking to be more educated, to understand more of you? Or are we not? And I pray, Jesus Christ, that, that you would affect our lives, that you would change us, God. You would lead us to maybe do more, to pick up our, pick up our Bible, to, to join a life group, to read your word, to, to be here on a regular basis on, say, Sundays, to be able to hear. Or whatever it is, Jesus Christ, that you want us to take that next simple step to be able to become um, more well-founded in our, in our understanding of who you are. And we just thank you so much, Jesus, for what you're going to do in us and through us in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Obviously, the biggest thing with education is what comes out of it. And that's what we're going to talk about next week. The reaction and why it's so important that we get educated, we grow in our faith, is what we're talking about next week in our growth track, about what comes out of that education. Thank you so much, guys. Have a great week. Go out and change the world.